fresh manna fell to the ground as a gift from God while the Israelites were in the wilderness. This is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can now experience the taste and smell of fresh manna. Today, you will be listening to Jermaine Gale, pastor of the East Lansing University and Lansing Spanish Seventh-day Adventist Churches. And now, here's Pastor Jermaine. Happy Sabbath again. Welcome home. I always praise the Lord when I see your smiling faces in the audience. I tell you, it would not be the same if you weren't here today. I am so happy. And as I always ask, are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? All right. God bless them is the title of our message today. And as Nancy so beautifully read, And mentioned, this is one of the easy verses to find in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Before we begin, I'd like to offer a word of prayer, if you don't mind bowing your heads with me as we pray together. Loving Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath day that you've given to us. As we come before you now, Lord, we pray that you teach us. Dear Lord, we give our lives to you once more, and we ask that you take us and use us even in our homes as family members. Dear Lord, we pray that you inspire us and help us to be more like you in the most intimate circles there are. We pray all these things thanking you ahead of time in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, Amen. Amen. God bless them. Genesis 1 and verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply A wonderful, wonderful account of creation. God had invested everything into the creation of this universe. And he had given everything to the first created beings, Adam, first created human beings, Adam and Eve. Today's sermon journeys into one of the most sacred spaces, the most profound unions, the most beautiful living analogy of the love of God, and that is the family circle. Friends, do you realize how blessed you are to have family? This month, yes, we are focusing on families here in our local church. And my Lord, I'm just so grateful every single time we come together as a church family, a body of families together. Oh, friends, I am very grateful. I think the Lord is very, very good. So here's another reading of our text. This is from the contemporary English version of the Bible, and you might appreciate this. The Bible says God gave them his blessing and said, have lots of children. Fill the earth with people and bring it under your control. Rule over the fish in the ocean and the birds in the sky and every animal on the earth. God said, have lots of children. This is a blessed text. I figure you might appreciate this rendering. This text is the first benediction we read of in Scripture. It was said over the life of the first couple, the first family unit. This is God setting precedence, disclosing his attention and intention for families. This is a display of God's love for his created beings. 
Every loving father wishes well for his child. Every mother as well wishes the best for her children. And God does this here. His wishes are disclosed. His blessings are given for time and for eternity. God blessed them. Do you realize that today, because you have a family, you are experiencing and living a blessing that has lasted throughout eternity? God blessed them since the beginning of time. Family was designed to be a blessing. A what, everyone? A blessing. Family was designed to be a blessing. Is family always a blessing? Sometimes it can be difficult. I know the family circle can be a battleground of sorts sometimes. We don't always get along. We face many circumstances in life that changes us, that changes the family dynamic. And we go through many trying circumstances. And sometimes we wonder, is family a blessing after all? Sometimes we doubt whether our families are a blessing. Long ago, I read a story of a man by the name of Thomas Hansen, who in 1978 sued his parents for malpractice. His suit was $350,000. According to him, his claim was his parents botched his upbringing so badly that he needed years of psychiatric treatment. So he sued them. $350,000. Please don't do that. And yet there are other costly things regarding families. There was a study that was done some years ago by the John Hopkins University Hospital where they discovered they were looking for a single precursor or a single reason why people suffer from many diseases. And they were, during their research, they were trying to find out the single related cause for disease such as mental illness, hypertension, malignant tumors, coronary heart disease, and suicide. This study was, they had over a thousand people in the study and it lasted for about 30 years. And they discovered at the end of it all that the reason, the common denominator, was not the lack of exercise or a bad diet, but lack of closeness to parents. Family. Family can make people sick. Family can make people die according to their research. And especially, the research went on, especially in cases where the father is absent. Men, let's talk. You are the one who holds the family together. As men, we need to take this responsibility seriously. Don't leave home. Love your children. Love their mother. Love your wife and cherish her as a husband. Friends, there are terrible consequences when the family doesn't function right. Many people have died, as I said before, according to this research, because family was not a blessing. Many people are sick because of their family situation. Many people are depressed because they are at home with family. Can you imagine that? And many people are depressed because they can't see family. There is that side too. Oh, friends, it was not God's design for family to be this way. Family was supposed to be a blessing, and it can still be. And praise God that there are families in this local church who are a blessing, not only to themselves, each other, but also to the church and to their communities. Amen. 
Oh, friends, I pray that your family will be a blessing. In the garden, the first family was created, presented before the universe. The morning stars sang together as they saw the pair for the first time. And God pronounces his benediction on his creation. But we read again, then God blessed them. Then God blessed them. This text is a conclusive text. It says, so then God blessed them. It means it brings your attention to the text that was mentioned previous to this text. What was God blessing? Why did he bless them? First of all, we read in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God was blessing what he saw in them. And what he saw in them was a reflection of himself. Families were designed to reflect the image of God. And he said, this will be a blessing for all generations. I just love the way this text reads because it somehow brings to our attention the careful love and wonderful character and nature of God in this sense. God was saying, what I see in you is so lovely that I want more of you in the world. So have children. Reflect my image in your family circle. You look so wonderful to me, Adam and Eve. I cannot bear the thought of not having more of you. So God blessed as man was created in his own image. God blessed him and her. He saw his own image. This blessing only comes. And yes, the word blessing can be translated as, and in this case, right, there are renderings of this text that suggest that the idea here is that God knelt and God said, here, you can be happy as a result of bearing my image. Oh, friends, this is just a wonderful, wonderful privilege that we all have as family units to bear the image of our Creator. And when that is done, our family circles will be a happy place. You know that song with Jesus in the family? We have a happy, happy home. Oh, friends, when we reflect the image of God in our home circles, happiness will be our experience continually. God places his divine blessing upon that which looks like him. I imagine, again, as I said, that he was so happy with what he saw. But he said, you know what? I need more of you. And then he gave Adam and Eve the privilege of bringing into the world children. There are five recipes, I believe. And there are more, but we only have time for five. Five recipes that will lead to a happy, blessed family. Five recipes that will lead to a blessed home from what we see in Scripture. Here are the five recipes. Number one, in the family circle, there needs to be mutual love. Where love abides, family will always be a blessing. Second, mutual choice. When choice abides in the home, family will be a blessing. Third, mutual responsibility. When mutual responsibility is in the family circle, family will be a blessing. Mutual faith and mutual intimacy. These are the five recipes for having a blessed and happy family. Friends, let's start with them one by one. Mutual love. God himself functions on this basis. 
He loves us. Amen? Oh, God understands the importance of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His actions are motivated by love. And friends, aren't you happy to know that God loves you? But you know what would make you happy in addition to that? Knowing that you are loved by your spouse, knowing that you are loved by your father, your mother, and knowing that you are loved by your child. We read in scripture that those who love those they can see, how can they love a God who they don't see? Friends, love in the home is an important ingredient to having a happy family. He first loved us. Don't love with your mouth closed. Let me say that again. Don't love your family with your mouth closed. If you love your children, tell them. And tell them often. You know, sometimes we fall in this category, this crazy experience of thinking that if I love someone, they should see it based on what I do. And only that. We say actions speak louder than words, and so we, so we use no words at all to display love. Friends, actions do speak louder than words, but words are necessary. And so if you love your spouse, tell them, tell him or her, you love them. It won't hurt your jaw. It won't break your leg. It will not hurt you, I promise. Say it, and say it often. You love your children. I love you. You know, you love your mother, your dad. Close the conversation over the phone. Mom, I love you. Dad, you know what? I love you. This might have been a rough conversation, but you know, at the end of the day, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I love you. Oh, friend, it will change your heart. It will change your life. It will change your family dynamics. Say the words, I love you often. Have you ever experienced that when someone says, I love you for the first time, you get a tingly feeling down on the inside, knowing that you're loved? Oh, friends, that can be an experience every single day. You can never overuse those words. They're given to you. Always remember that it is hard to love when there is no conclusive evidence that you are loved. What does that mean? In the family circle, there needs to be conclusive evidence that love abides there. What are some ways that you can demonstrate your love? There are some things that you can do. Very simple. Husband, it is not beneath you to wash the dishes. Amen. Wink, wink. <laughs> Husband, it is not beneath you to clean the house. Children, it is not beneath you to help mom or dad around the house. Oh, friends, it is not beneath you to do something special every now and then to let your spouse know or your family know that they are loved. Your mother, your father, call them. Don't just leave them. Call them and say, hey, I'm just checking in, just wondering how you're doing. May we talk for a little bit? Oh, friends, that will make you a happier individual. By expressing love, you get happier, actually. Tell your children again, as I said before, that you love them. When Adam looked at Eve, he proclaimed his love for her in this statement. We read in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23, 
Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And this connection of family continues to go throughout all generations. We all are a part of each other. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, Adam says, she is mine. She belongs to me. She's a part of me. Paul, the Apostle Paul takes this up in Ephesians and he says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own what everyone? Bodies. Do you neglect your body? Do you not care for your body? Do you get up in the morning and decide that this is the day you are not going to care for yourself? In fact, very often, we spend too much time caring for ourselves and not for others. The Bible here is reminding us that we must see our spouse as ourselves. How do you treat you? And I pray that you don't treat yourself in a terrible manner. Friends, love each other as if, and in this case, one flesh. He who loves his wife loves himself, the Bible says, for no one ever hated his own flesh. How many of you ever get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say, I hate you? Have you ever done that before? If you do, we need to talk. But, but here it is, the picture that God is painting is those, right? For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. You want to see an example of love? Look at how Jesus loves the church. That's a great example. The worst thing that can happen in the home is when the husband refuses to love and show his wife that he loves her. The best thing that you can do as a spouse for your children and for yourself is to love one another. When there's no love, it is not only the wife who suffers, the whole family unit suffers because you cannot be apathetic toward your own flesh without terrible consequences following. Husbands, love your wife. Wife, love your husband. The type of mutual love that we're talking about is the one that is not hindered or withheld by differences, not diminished or damaged by circumstances. The type of mutual love that is not based upon merit, a love that is not withheld because of bad or good behavior, the type of love that is not given on account of perfection, but rather given the way that Christ offers it. Have you ever gotten to the point sometimes where you think it's okay to withhold love from someone simply because they didn't do something you thought was supposed to be done? Or they didn't do it in a way you thought they were supposed to? Jesus didn't wait for you to get it right before he loved. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. The great sacrifice he made on our behalf. The hardest and darkest hearts respond with affection when love is sensed. We read in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. There's that great principle in life, love awakens love. You don't see love in return, give love and you'll see what happens. You don't see love and it give love and you'll see how things will change around you. I love this Proverbs, Proverbs 15, verse 17. The Bible says, 
Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. There's wisdom in that. Better is the small portion in the home circle. A dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. I found this proverb because I was doing Bible studies with children, actually. I was studying with Micah and Ty and Yumi, and we have our weekly Bible studies, and I gave them an assignment. The project was for them to memorize a verse for each day and ask the Lord what is in it for them. And every time we do the studies, I would check in with them and say, what was one of the verse that stood out to you this week? And this was what Micah mentioned. I told him that I would mention it in my sermon. So, Micah, thank you. So this was his verse. He says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. This is a great truth here. The children know the value of love. And praise God that love abides in their home. I've seen the Ramos' family and they're a great example of this. They are, I can't tell you how many times I've gone over and played basketball with the kids and just enjoy hanging out with them and you can tell that they have a happy, loving home. I've seen it on occasion and it is true that your food will taste better when love is present. The best cooked meal will taste terrible when love is not there. So, friends, always remember that family functions on that first great principle, the principle of love. My second point here is mutual choice. And you know, choice is important. Where choice is removed, fear increases. A home where there's no love and no choice is hell on earth instead of heaven on earth. A home that has no respect for choice, that doesn't encourage choosing, reminds each party that they are not valuable. It eventually damages the mind of those who are growing up in that kind of atmosphere. The removal of choice creates self-victimization, and we create victims instead of victors when choice is removed. Encourage your children. Guide them as they choose. And friends, do not remove the choice of your spouse. In the family circle, there needs to be choice. We need to respect each other's decisions. Amen? My third point, a home that is blessed is a home that is filled with mutual responsibility. Our text reminds us that Adam and Eve had several responsibilities. God said to them, first of all, be fruitful and multiply. The responsibility of raising children together. Emphasis on together. Friends, it is important when the family abides together. Fill the earth, the Bible says, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. So the, the responsibility extended out of the home circle, the responsibility of taking care of creation, their work. God didn't pull Adam aside and said to him, it is for you to do this. He said this to both of them. The relationship that is blessed by God is one that shares responsibility in the home circle. Don't let one person pull all the load and you just sit and watch. It should be mutual. A home that is a blessed home is a home that is filled with mutual faith. A blessed home is one that has mutual faith, mutual love, mutual choice, and mutual faith. 
One of the worst things that a spouse can do is to cause the other to bear the burden of faith when it comes to raising children. It should be mutual. Two of you should raise the family altar. If the husband has allowed his relationship with God to wane, the wife and the children suffers. So friends, we cannot afford to let that happen. The husband is called houseman for a reason. He holds the family together. When God came to investigate why the family unit wasn't working out, guess who he called first? Adam, where are you? And as husbands, as men, we need to realize the importance of making sure that our family is raised in the atmosphere of heaven. And so, if your relationship with God is waning, friends, you need to set that straight. Go back to the Lord and let Him renew your heart and you will see the difference that will make in your family. It is costly and too costly when a husband leaves the Lord. And we cannot afford that. Now, my final point. Mutual intimacy. Your relationship, your family experience will be sweeter when there is love, when there's choice, when there's responsibility, when there is faith, and ultimately, mutual intimacy. It is good to be known by someone. That there's a great feeling that comes with being known through and through by someone. Children, it is good to be known by your parents. Parents, it is good that your children know who you are. I have seen on many occasions, and this has happened to me too, where, where parents make a mistake and they don't feel that they should say anything about it. I'm the parent in this house. You are the child. How dare you want me to apologize to you? Oh, friends, it is important for us to be vulnerable in the family circle. You make a mistake, talk to the children. You make a mistake, talk to your wife. You are not too big to apologize. You remember growing up, those precious lessons you learned? When you apologize, look the person in the eye. Now, we do those things even now as family units where we do something wrong and we look away as we're apologizing. We look like children. I am sorry for what I did to you. Oh, friends, we need to have a home that is vulnerable enough to say, I'm sorry. Wives and husbands don't hide from each other. You need to be known. Let it be said, first of all, that of all people on the top side of the earth, that the person who knows you best is your spouse. And of all the people on the top side of the earth, fathers, the people who know you best are your children. The ones who know you best are your children. When you go home and close those doors, when you fall asleep at night beside your spouse, and there you are laying down, whisper a prayer of gratitude and thank the Lord for the blessing of family. And even if you are single, you still have family. God knows how important it is for us to have family. Friends, if something has happened in your family and there needs to be reconciliation, I want you to be praying about that. And I want you to reconcile yourself to your family because it is that important to you. You are suffering on the inside even though you can't see it because family is that valuable. When a family doesn't function, it is costly. 
And so, friends, we need to be reminded of this precious lesson that God blessed the first family. Family was designed to be a blessing, and when it doesn't function, we suffer. So, friends, this blessing is a blessing that was bestowed on Adam and Eve, but it is also bestowed on you. Think of your family in the Garden of Eden as we close. Think of your family there as God stands in front of you. He looks at you, son, daughter, mother, father. And he looks at you created in his image. And he said to you, I bless you. That your family is a blessing. Because your family reflects me best. Friends, that should be our experience. Every single day you wake up and breathe that breath of fresh air, thank the Lord for your family. And the more thankful you are, the more loving you will be, the more appreciative you'll be for your family. I pray that this month you may experience the joy of having family and that you may experience the blessing that God provides in the family circle. And don't forget those five ingredients. Number one, mutual love. Number two, mutual choice. Number three, mutual responsibility, mutual faith, and mutual intimacy. There are more. We only have time for five. You have been listening to Jermaine Gale, pastor of the East Lansing University and Lansing Spanish Seventh-day Adventist Churches. If you enjoyed this sermon, why not visit one of his churches this coming Sabbath or a church near you listed on strongtowerradio.org. You will find the East Lansing University Church at 504 Ann Street in East Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 11.20 a.m. Or visit the Lansing Spanish Church located at 111 North Magnolia Avenue in Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 11.30 a.m. This program is a Strong Tower Radio production.